0: Welcome to Unwanted Guests, the podcast that teaches you about insects and other pests that may join you in and around your home. It's brought to you by Texas A&M AgriLife Extension and the Texas A&M Department of Entomology. We're your hosts, Wizzy Brown,
1: Robert Puckett,
2: Molly Keck, and Janet Hurley. And our special guest is Sonia Swigger. Dr. Sonia, how's it going? Good how are you? (laughs) Great so for our listeners we've we've brought a special guest in to help us to talk about these large flies because I don't know about anybody else but you know I'm going out I'm trying to enjoy my backyard it is summer but the rain has not helped much and um you know i'm seeing all these flies and i don't know what i'm seeing i mean obviously there's the flies that land on my my dog poop and then there's the flies that like to to go towards my um my soda and my adult beverage but are those the same flies sonia
3: uh sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't, but usually there is a difference. Usually when we're talking pet waste or dog poop as you put it, those are going to be blowflies. Uh the houseflies are typically going to be looking more for your food, but then they all will come inside. So that can really throw you for a loop. You
0: you better hope that it's not going from the dog poop to your beverage immediately.
3: Yeah, that's <laughs> always fun. <laughs>
0: So for house flies, um, you know, house flies, flesh flies, blow flies, they, they all look pretty much the same to normal people. So Sonia, do you want to tell us how you can tell them apart?
3: Does yeah. it matter if you tell them apart? Uh, sometimes, yes. I mean, I think it does because there are main differences, especially when we're talking flesh flies. Uh, The flesh flies, while they will sometimes be found in your garbage, they're only there because there's rotting meat. So they don't really have the same desire to be indoors. They're looking for a dead animal, or as I said, meat that's been left to kind of break down. Uh, So that is their focus. And the flesh flies are usually larger. We do have some that are a bit smaller than the others, but there's the big ones. They're usually black and gray and they have a checkered abdomen. So that distinguishes them from the other flies.
0: There's some of those that have a red tip on their abdomen too, right? Yeah. Yes.
3: Yeah. They've I got a red those. butt. Yes. And they're called *Sarcophaga uh, sarcophagia hemorrhoidalis. And that's an awesome name. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's very appropriate. That's fantastic. It really is. <laughs> Could you repeat
2: again. that again? Just
3: sarcophagia hemorrhoidalis. <laughs> Okay, it's a great one. It's a great name. I don't know who came up with it, but it's awesome. I don't know,
0: so. but I'm picturing little flies with those little donuts to sit on. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> and to tell the blowflies from the other flies is they're typically going to be a metallic color, and they're usually a different color, such as like blue or green. But we do have a black blowfly as well. Uh, but again, they are shiny in appearance and both the flesh flies and the blow flies are tend to be more robust is the term. So they're a little bit bigger than the house fly.
0: And the house fly is the one that everyone knows and loves to hate, I guess, right?
3: <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the hardest to get rid of, of all of them.
2: <laughs> Why Sorry. are they so hard to get rid of?
3: Because uh, they're so opportunistic, right? So they can pretty much survive on any type of food source and their larvae can be grown in multiple food sources. So we can see them with, you know, someone mentioned chickens earlier, backyard chickens definitely bring in the house flies, and they're growing in the manure. Sometimes they're growing in the feed. If it gets wet, they'll also be in your garbage. They'll be in your compost piles. They can be in whole bunch of different locations. They could utilize pet waste of other types. Uh, So they're just very diverse.
4: You say they can get in compost. People always get really worried and nervous when they have insects in their compost. Is it necessarily a bad thing that they're in your compost?
3: That would depend on what species. So if you have maggots and they're not a species that's going to become a nuisance, then sure, that's not a major issue. But if they're a bunch of house flies, then yeah, that's a problem because when they grow up, then they're going to be in your house or, you know, causing an issue at the adult stage. So that's kind of the toss up with insects is sure there's some benefits to some stages, but then other stages are not beneficial. So that can be problematic.
0: But we do have the black soldier flies that can be in compost. And I know there's places around here that actually use those specifically as composting food waste so they're trying Mm -hmm. to get that down to what like zero waste in in the austin area or whatever and then they'll use those to feed chickens
3: or whatnot yes uh chickens and fish i think right now is the markets but uh yeah and those are great and those are black soldier flies don't look anything like these other flies um very different in color as their name suggests they're black they look more like a wasp Actually, so we get a lot of calls and hey, what's this wasp? Oh, it's not; it's a fly. <laughs> so that's and the maggot
0: looks different too.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's a lot bigger. Um, It's flat and it's usually a dark color, so it can be brown and it can darken to a black color. So
4: yeah, it almost doesn't look like when you say maggot in my mind. I have the white um, maggots with like a, a a larger end that tapers down and they just have this look to them. Right. But the soldier flies look completely different than that.
3: Yeah, they do. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain, I guess, what it looks like to someone that's never seen one, but they have kind of a flatter. Yeah. Longer appearance, flatter (laughs) segmented, and they have like a little point, which is their mouth part. So it kind of looked like a syrphid larva, but most people don't know what a sear fly larva looks like either. So (laughs) So
0: they look like black soldier fly larvae. That's that's right.
3: (laughs) You can look them up. Yeah. Now you can find them anywhere because you feed them to your chickens and chickens apparently love them. So, (laughs) um,
4: so when you, I always tell people when they find soldier fly larvae in their compost that, just leave them alone. They're kind of doing their thing. If, if you don't like them there, then you need to not have such wet compost, you know, cover it when it rains or something like that. Is that usually what you recommend as well? Cause I don't think of soldier fly adults as being a huge nuisance because they tend to be real cryptic and they hide from people. And you, you might hear them buzzing around a little bit, but they're not the nuisance that house flies or blowflies tend to be. Is that pretty accurate to say that? Uh,
3: yes, that's very accurate. And the adult stages is, is, basically harmless in the sense. And I think I've heard before that they don't even have mouth parts. So they don't have any implications on anything. They don't carry diseases. They don't become a nuisance. So yeah, definitely keep their larva around because their larva will liquefy manure or any other food source so that other flies can't utilize it. So that's another benefit is that while they're there too, they're preventing other fly larvae from growing in that same source.
4: I guess that would maybe be something you may not want your compost to turn into. Cause that is true. They turn it really, really liquidy. And then it's like mud that you're putting out as opposed to like fluffier compost soil. So I, I guess that's something to keep in mind, but again, I think it usually happens when you allow that compost to get too wet to begin with. Then they can do compost tea. There you go to compost tea. I actually purchased a soldier fly um like breeding system and it's oh uh, I, it wasn't super expensive, but, um, I did it for our insect expo. So we could always have some soldier flies handy. And it's actually really kind of a cool contrapment because it has a tube that comes out the um, bottom of it and you can clamp it off so you can let the liquid get going, or you can drain it into a bucket. So you have your clean, not, well, it's not really clean, but you have your nice wet without other debris in it. Um, compost tea. So if I'm seeing a
2: bunch of flies, There are flies on my back porch, you know, flies around my house. Do I need to treat for those?
3: Can I treat for those? Well, that's a tough one. Um, (laughs) Both questions are are hard. Obviously, you can treat for flies. Nobody's going to stop you from doing that. The answer is whether it'd be worth the hassle to treat for the flies. Um, and, and really it, the hard part is, is that every situation varies. It really depends on what's going on at your location. Uh, one of the biggest things I ask people when they call with a fly problem, the first thing is, well, what do you live near? Do you have animals close by? Do you have a garbage, you know, refuse facility close by and close by can be within a couple miles, um but they can still travel. And we've seen if you're in an area where those are a problem or you're somewhere near where they're putting compost uh, manure out on a field, those flies can become a nuisance. And those are all big questions that have to be answered first, because you have to figure out why you have a fly problem and why is it so bad that you're calling and looking for help for it.
4: And it's usually the source is outdoors, right? They're not really breeding inside. They're just finding a
3: way to come inside right, unless right. you have a
0: dead animal that yeah hide in an attic or yeah. crawl space or something like yeah. that right.
3: the <laughs> benefits of those is usually those flies want to leave as soon as they're done doing their job but yeah i mean most flies are not necessarily designed to survive indoors uh they've come inside maybe by accident or because they smelled the dead animal they laid their eggs they did their thing and now they're one out uh so to speak so the new the new adults out, but. Uh, usually you don't have the indoor, it's an outdoor thing and they're just coming inside. Your kids yeah, Usually I tell them. people
0: to look for, you know, like pet waste. That's a big one. You know, I try to pick up the pet waste at least once a week, if not twice, um, garbage recycling areas, compost piles, depending on what that is. And, you know, keeping that stuff away from where you're going in and out of the house, is always a good idea in my opinion, because that way you're getting those flies as far away from being able to enter as you can. That way they're not clustering right there by the door for when you go in and out.
3: Yeah, Yeah, that's always good. And, you know, even at my place, I have a problem. (laughs) I have a blowfly problem right now and it's because of the dog and for those that don't know, I have a great dame. So he has very large pet waste, <laughs> very large manure piles outside. Um, and the pull, the blowflies love it. And then they come to the house because they usually, it's there first. Then they go to his food or his water and then they come inside. So you, you just got to kind of figure out what it is it's bringing them close by. So I do treatments near the pet food uh, because that's a big focal point. But then we use fly swatters in the house every day <laughs> right now. <laughs> so.
0: Um, but yeah, fly swatters for the adults. I mean, that's pretty much the only thing you can do. I mean, I guess outside you could use, they have those fun gadgety things that you can find online, like the the gun that shoots out salt and you can kill the flies that way. Or they have the um, electric tennis racket looking thing. So if you need more entertainment in your life, I guess you can go
4: with one of those. <laughs> On that note, can we please talk about the plastic bag with water in it and the penny and why it is on a, it is so silly and don't even waste your time with it.
1: I was going to bring that up too, Molly. but it, so what's this penny? I don't know this part of it,
4: the penny in it. And Sonya can say it too. Sonya's got a good story about this at a restaurant, um, but the penny I understand is because the, well, you'd say something about being bronze, right? Or copper, copper.
3: copper. <laughs> yes. I, I had a young child, a young girl getting argued with me about how the flies don't like the smell of the penny because of the copper. And then I told her, I said, you know, that pennies aren't made of copper that much anymore, right? And she didn't like that answer. So um, the other one I've heard is that flies are afraid of their reflection. I don't know where any of this comes from, but I do know that official research was done and proven that this bag of water doesn't work with or without the penny, but people still think it does.
0: You know, I think maybe somewhere along the line, somebody saw an actual fly trap that is a plastic bag that has liquid in it and all of the dead flies congregating. And I'm just like, did they think that they could just kind of get away with hanging a bag of water and that would do the same thing? Not knowing that the actual fly trap has smelly stuff that attracts the flies. But I don't know. It's again, I don't know where the bag of water came from, but I always crack up when I see those hanging at restaurants.
4: That people are really like they, people who use it are so sure that it works. So sure. They don't see that, you know, they don't see the fly sitting on the bag that didn't really happen, but I mean, they are serious about it. They'll get in a fight over it, why it works for them.
3: And, you know, there's been several people in the past who've taken on this challenge. And one in particular, they took the bags and hung them in a chicken house, which a chicken egging or breeding house is where you're going to find the most flies. And the data was insufficient. There was no, a, you know, there was no nothing preventing them from staying in the house or going near it. But it is just one of those things that you have to kind of just deal with, I guess. But I like I like Wizzy's thought process that maybe because there are a couple fly products out there where it is just a bag, but it has nowadays when you buy it, it's already got the um, the tractic chemical inside. And you put the, add the water, and it dissolves, and the flies will go in, and you throw it away. So maybe that is one way that that came about. I really don't know.
4: I mean, so there's no scientific reason why it should work. But, you know, if you think it works, it's the placebo effect. It doesn't hurt (laughs) anything, also, right? So you're not harming the environment by doing it.
0: If you're actually using the fly trap that has the smelly stuff that's going to attract them, don't hang it by your back patio where you're hanging out. You want to hang it in the back part of the yard or you know, even better, give it to your neighbor to hang in their yard. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it may be a gift for them.
4: do yeah. it for, no, for all phone.
1: of
0: your
4: surrounding
1: neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys heard any of this chatter about using, um, it's Irish spring original soap and you, I guess <laughs> you, uh, you grate it with a cheese grater and put it in a bag and you heard yes. Or yes.
0: so, so dryer uh, sheets—that's the other one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I got a request from a reporter in Houston that says, "Hey, listen, uh, we're, we want to we want to talk about this tonight. We need somebody to weigh in on this." And and uh, so anyway, she sent a picture. It was a uh, something that was going around the web. You know, that you gave the instructions and made some claims um, that it would repel flies and lots of other animals, even up some vertebrate animals, deer and you know rabbits.
4: Deer and, and rodents, that. yeah.
1: So wow. So I said, well, let me. I said, you know, I don't know. I said, but I can hunt around and see if I can find some. Maybe somebody looked into this, and so I couldn't find anything. And I said, well, you know, I I couldn't find any data to point to. So I think probably I'll have to pass on commenting. And about 20 minutes later, she emailed and she said, well, we really want to do this. So can you get some data? (laughs) I was like, yeah. Yeah, just make it up. I I had some soap, and I, I, um, I put. A piece of turkey on, a, on the table on our back porch. We've got a lot of house flies and um, used our cheese grater and grated up a bar of soap over it. And they still were landing on the, the meat. So that's your data point. Um,
4: that's fantastic.
1: That's,
4: not, yeah. yeah. I, that's been going around social media for so long. And it started as deer. My neighbor yeah. did it. And I wish I had taken a picture of the deer rubbing its antlers on the trunk with his bar of soap hanging on top of its head. Um, and then they said it was for rodents and now they're saying it's for insects and it's just silly.
1: Well, somehow that's one I'd missed until that reporter emailed me. No, oh. yeah, it's
0: not, not working. What about fly, fly strips? Do those actually work Sonia? Like the, the little tape thingies?
3: Yeah. You know, some of those tapes do work really well. Some fly strips work better than others. Um, a lot of it is location. So if you put it in a windy area and you buy the one that you have to pull out and it's like a, it's just a hanging strip that isn't the most effective one I've seen. If you're in a really windy area or if it's kind of in a real open area, cause you know, the flies have to want to go to it. Um, A lot of the ones I deal with are usually, of course, in barns or places where there's more heavily, heavy fly impact. And when you hang those strips up or those different types of tapes, they work well um, because the flies don't really have a lot of options. So again, you know, thinking about around the house, that could be a bit different than a barn situation. But some of the ones in the barns that work really good, there's one that's a string. Um, Flies like to land on things that are really thin. They like landing on string and wire and things of that sort. So that works, and then they can't get back off. So it's just a sticky tape. the The most important thing I usually tell people when it comes to the tapes is that you change them out because if they get covered in dirt, no, they don't work. All the stickiness is gone, and the flies can't get stuck anymore. Um, so you do have to take them down. You do have to replace them, and don't put them anyplace super windy um, because again, they're not going to stay still for the flies to land on it, or they're going to get covered in dirt.
0: So people could use those in maybe like a a chicken coop or something that they have in their backyard.
3: Yeah, that's a great place to put them. Um, Again, I'm not really a huge fan of the one that hangs and that's just a personal observation. Um, The other ones, because the ones usually have to be attached on both ends and it makes them sturdier. So I think the flies prefer that because it's not swinging in -hmm. the wind. Um, Another one I like is the easy trap. It's it's a plastic uh, trap you purchase and it's already pre-sticky. And it's a little bigger and it's yellow and houseflies are known to be attracted to the color yellow. So it's- Could it's you make different.
0: your own with like yellow poster board and spray adhesive or something for them to land on?
3: Probably. I mean, I can't say that See, can. I'm going to have to test
0: this out now. <laughs>
3: there you go. Use Tanglefoot. So yeah. I have some of that in my Yeah. But most people don't have that, right? <laughs> <So> <laughs> thinking for homeowners, right? But yeah, I mean, you can give it a try. You can
0: get a can um, of spray adhesive from one of the- there you box go. stores or craft stores or
3: something. And, and it'll work you know, as long as it's sticky shot. and not covered. So yeah.
0: What about treating garbage or recycling areas? I mean, is that more of a make sure that it gets taken away on a regular basis and cleaning those bins out on a somewhat regular basis or should people actually be treating those
3: cans? I, I mean, I've never treated a can. I don't know if anybody else has any comment on that. I think it's more about how frequent you get rid of the refuse, you know, I mean, you you need to dump your trash and if you're not dumping it regularly, I will admit right now. Is a little tough to keep that regular because there are a lot of flies, as it was mentioned earlier. It's hot out. Um, I would probably say that every week we have a little bit of an issue in our trash cans, but you know, it happens. Uh, I have a big family, we have a lot of trash, so um, but we do get it out and then it disappears. So, um, but I've never treated the trash cans, usually, just washing them out is enough. I wouldn't personally put chemicals on mine. Um, That's just a decision that I make based on the family I have and the animals that are around. Um, But most of the time, if you just get rid of what the attractant is, you shouldn't need to use chemicals in that situation.
0: The only time that I've really treated a garbage can is, um, you know, I threw a dead rat or something in the can and there were maggots crawling everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so I did a, like a spray on fly bait on the inside of the can so the maggots you know died because <laughs> so I was like I don't need these turning into adults This is going to be a nightmare
2: well this brings up a good point I mean if we're talking about our own homes and our outdoor trash receptacles yeah maybe I mean hopefully they're not that nasty now I take this one step further and I work for a restaurant or something, those trash receptacles probably do need to be cleaned more frequently, especially if, if they're, if you've got outdoor seating, you know, nothing says happiness, like a few flies while you're out trying to enjoy a meal and maybe an adult beverage at the same time.
0: Well, hopefully they don't have their dumpsters near the outdoor seating area, because that would be Not so much
2: dumpsters, but I've even seen it with trash cans, you know, not having the right lids, Mm -hmm. overflowing refuse. I'm thinking, you know, um, food trucks, food truck parks.
3: I would still go back to that trash needs to be removed more frequently. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm kind of an advocate. If I walk into a place and there's a blowfly, I leave. I don't eat at places where blowflies eat because it's not a good sign. (laughs) so but uh, that may be me
0: (laughs) so should we talk a little bit about why people should maybe be concerned about flies and how they can transfer various things or should we skip that not to cause mass panic
4: i think it's important at least just to mention it right that they're what do we call them mechanical vectors, right? Because they won't bite you maybe and transmit a disease, but they might step on something nasty, pick up bacteria or other stuff, and then crawl on your food or you, and you can uh be exposed to it that way. No.
3: <laughs> no, there is several uh research studies out there to show that houseflies and blowflies in particular. Are carriers mechanically, which you know, basically working as a transporter for ver- different viruses and bacteria, as Molly pointed out. Um, and this is well over 200 different pathogens. Now, not all of those pathogens cause human disease, you know, uh, but still they're there. But there's also the implications if you have animals. So there's some that horses and cattle and they can carry it too, and pigs and chickens. So that's why it's definitely a concern. Um, We don't want to have large fly populations because of that and because of their diversity of where they're feeding. So, you know, they're moving through so many different sources and can pick up so many different things. And anybody want to talk about electrocution devices? (laughs) I'm not a big, I don't really know a ton on them, but yeah, they have changed those over the years. I'm not, I don't, we don't usually promote electrician electrocution devices anymore because of the concept that they do spread more disease than and don't usually collect or kill the right number of flies that you're trying to get.
0: Yeah. Usually for, so for the electrocution devices for people that might not be aware, those are what we sometimes call bug zappers. And they tend to, I think research has shown out of Florida that they often kill a lot more beneficial insects than they do pest species. And for the insects that they do kill, um, you know, they essentially fry them. So you have uh, little tiny bits of bugs and whatever's on those bugs flying around and floating and landing who knows where. So those aren't really the best method of control. I think probably really getting down to the, the heart of the message. I mean, the adult flies are going to essentially be a nuisance while they can be mechanical vectors for disease, they um, they're really just more kind of irritating. Whereas the maggots, while they might not necessarily be the direct issue, that's really the stage that you need to find. So this is very similar to if you've listened to our small fly thing. It's going to be about source reduction, so reducing those garbage areas, any of the overly wet compost, the dead animals. If you have blowflies or flesh flies, then you need to find where that dead animal is and get rid of it. And kind of cleaning up those spaces to really get to the heart of your fly problem. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Unwanted Guests. For more information, go to extensionentomology.tamu.edu. Catch you next time. Thank mm-hmm. you.